Welcome to Coffee and Conversation, a podcast that's all in the name. Good coffee with great conversation. Here's your host, Larry Vincent. Welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast. I am your host, Larry Vincent, and with me here today is uh, Roscoe Egan. How are you doing, Roscoe? I'm doing fine, Larry. Oh, good, good, good. Now, Roscoe, tell me a little bit uh, about yourself. How long you've been coming to Cornerstone? We don't want to get into the faith story yet. So yes, hold okay. off on that. All right. So, we tell can... me a little bit about your current life. You know, all that good jazz. Well, I'm retired. Been retired three years, but we have been coming to Cornerstone Stone for over thirty years. So you're retired. Uh, you know, I had this little uh, thought that that retirement is just getting tired all over again. Uh, do you find that you're 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 busy? Uh, busier now than you were when you were working? I'm not busier, but I can pick and choose what I want to be busy on. And I, I tell people, Sunday afternoon rolls around, Sunday evening, and I don't care what happened over the weekend because I don't have to go to work Monday. <laughs> so that's, that's one of the big advantages of being retired. Are you a Sunday napper? No, I'm not. Are no. you? I am. I, I am a total Sunday napper. Oh. And I find a lot of pastors actually are Sunday nappers. Uh, you know, it's about two o'clock in the afternoon. That's the sweet spot. You know, you just kind of lay back and right, right. zonk out. You know, for two minutes till your kids wake you up. But you know, hey, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, I, I I tend to be a, a big napper. Now, you you are a golfer, right? Yes, I golf all the time. All the time. Where's your Where's your favorite spot? Uh, I I like uh, West. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh golf course is where I go. My okay. wife said when I retired, she said, you said you were going to golf some, but I didn't think four days a week. <laughs> so that's what we've done. Your wife is a saint. <laughs> that she is. That she is. And how long have you two been married? 50 years last Friday. Really? Yep. Happy anniversary. Well, this is her birthday. Today's her birthday. Well, this is a podcast first. I mean, I've only had four podcasts so far, okay. but it is a podcast first that we're celebrating a birthday and an anniversary yes. on the podcast. Well, to to Kathy, happy birthday and uh, happy anniversary. Thank you. Yeah, excellent. So, are you guys planning anything anything special for the fiftieth? In July, June, June. In June, we're going to Ireland for for two weeks. Oh, have you ever been? Have never been, and I'm Irish. I go all the way back to Kelly's, so okay. I'm Irish. So okay, and a brother-in-law and sister-in-law also celebrating their fiftieth anniversary. The four of us are going to go to Ireland. Oh, that's together. great! Heather and I went there for our honeymoon, and it was absolutely fantastic. Good. Yeah, good. there's there's a lot of good stories there about us wrecking cars and. Not for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I keep telling Kathy I'm not coming back. I'm just going to stay. <laughs> Perfect. Well, listen, the reason we have you here today uh, is to share your testimony. Uh, yes. And, and this whole series, uh, I think you'll be number five, maybe, I think, okay. that, uh, in the series. Uh, but the whole series is to help us and each other to form a uh, testimony. Right. And, and there's three major components of a testament. This is something I've said every week because I wanted to drill this into the heads of those who are listening and into my head and into your head. Right. Uh, that the three major components of a testimony are who was I before Christ, how did I come to know Christ, and who am I now because of Christ. Right. Okay. Th- those those are the three biggest things. So I want to I want to divide those up into three sections for you. Okay. Right. And I know we're going to get into a lot of detail uh, or a lot of your stories in the first part. You right. know, uh, and I'm very interested in hearing that. So let, let's start with let's start with that. Uh, who were you before you knew Jesus Christ? How did you grow up in the in the faith or at all? How, um, when I was a little child, uh, kid, I was not in the faith. I was 
before I was eight years old, some things going on in my life where I had at one time before that been in a uh, foster home because my mother was in prison for a year. Okay. And then after that, we were in uh, public housing for a while. I remember that. Uh, we eventually moved down to Rushville, Indiana. And down in Rushville, Indiana, one morning, I was told to take a suit that belonged to my father and go down to the local jail. He had been arrested the day, the afternoon before, drinking and him, her, him and her fighting. And I was sent down to the jail in Rushville. Mm-hmm. So I'm eight years old. I walked down to the jail. And at the jail, I'm told, go home. You can't see your father. Go home. Hmm. So I went home, and that's where my grandparents were, and my mother and all my brothers and sisters. By this time, Larry, I had seven brothers and sisters. I had, I had four sisters and three brothers okay. at this time, and I was the oldest of eight. So I went home, and my grandparents informed me that my dad had used his belt and hung himself in jail that night. I'm sorry. So, you know, I uh, lived with that for... Well, the rest of my life, actually, for yeah. a long, long time. You live with that, and you wonder, why wow, what happened? And then you have grandparents that say, uh, probably the police done it. Well, I don't know. Right. But it, it made you resentful. So anyway, from there, we uh, moved back into Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and my mother took us up on up by Emanuel High School, a little house, I remember that. And we lived there for about a month, and she was in and out to the bars, different guys in, out, and we were there basically with the older lady that babysat us, and I think she was ex-Gestapo, I don't know, she was pretty tough on us, we were little little kids, and I was the oldest, so they kind of, I was trying to help them out, anyway, we did that for one month, and my mother took all of us out to my father's mother and father, my Mm -hmm. grandparents on the Egan side, and said, take these eight kids, or... I'm going to take him right down to Knightstown, the orphanage home, and that's where they'll be. Wow! And we, I was, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't even nine. I, I turned nine. My dad died in August. And I think I was going to be nine in September, last day. So anyway, that's what we were told. So my grandparents said they were fifties. They were in their mid fifties. They said we'll take the top, the old, the oldest six, because one of my sisters was only like three or four months old. Wow. So you, you bring up these, you, you, you brought up the, this this interesting thing. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know, maybe you don't know. I, I don't know if we've talked about this before. I lost a fa- My father died when I was a year and a half. Yeah. He was murdered. Uh, and uh, the, you brought up the questions part. You yeah. know, like, you, the, 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 the question of what would have happened had, had he still been a part of my life? Or what would have, what would have happened to my mom? What, have, what, what would have happened with those yeah. relationships? You know, and you start playing this what-if game, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how did you cope with all those questions growing up? Well, uh, growing up, I think what happened was because I was the oldest, when I started living with my grandparents, I was informed I was the oldest. <laughs> and yeah. my grandfather was old Irish. Okay. If, if you know what that means, we, yeah. he was yeah. in charge. Yep. And uh, basically his his philosophy was, you're the oldest, you take care of them. If you go to school and they get in trouble, you take care of it. And when we moved to my grandparents, some of the responsibilities I had at nine years old by then, I uh, brought in, we did not have indoor plumbing. Mm-hmm. I brought in water. I brought in the coal. I Went and does stuff with the chickens. I Oof. I just, it was all there. I mean, yeah. everything that had to be done, We when other kids were going to Florida for spring break, me and my brother, brothers, with me in charge, we dug a septic system, including the tank. That was our spring break when I was in uh, 
Probably junior high. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to uh, uh, cut this. Yes. And, and I mean, we're going to keep it for the podcast, but I'm going, I'm going to cut it and I'm going to put it on a phone. I'm going to hand it to my son and I'm going to play, <laughs> I'm going to play it to him every single day. You think you got it bad? <laughs> and uh, uh, an interesting point, which my dad, my granddad, was very, very good to us. I mean, yeah. they took us in when nobody. Well, was, yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, here's something to tell your son. Yeah. For getting the coal and the water. For the week, I got one quarter. Oh, wow. Yeah, whole quarter. I carried coal for the lady across the street was an old farmer's widow, and uh, she gave me 50 cents. Oh, wow. So that's what I was doing at 19 years old. Man, well, I don't pay my son, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't getting rich. <laughs> I was not getting rich. Uh, but, but he taught me the work, the thing from the value from that as a, as a person later on down the road that really paid off. It taught me a work ethic. So did the the, 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 the questions subside as you as you grew older, or did they just kind of nag? I, I think it was always there, and I don't want to jump ahead to my Christian life. But, right, no. But, but I'll tell you, when yeah. I get to that part, what I come to the understanding later on. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought about it quite a bit. And, so, uh, so you had a father who had passed, a mom mm-hmm. who... Uh, was negligent at best. Yes, at best. At best. Um, how did that um, inform your faith growing up? Did you even have a belief in God growing up? I developed later a belief in God, but mm-hmm. I will say God. Yeah, okay. There was not Christ in my life. There was God. I believe sure. there was a God. And uh, another thing on my mother, just to add salt to the wound, a few ladies years later she remarried and had three more kids so oh. so that yeah. th- that made you feel kind of like okay yeah, yeah. toss away no no I, I get it yeah yeah but no I, I've forever have had a, an under a belief in a God okay did, but I did not have the Christ did that did that belief in God uh, help you in any way or was it just was it did it I mean how, how did your how did you emotionally react to that version of God you believed in I did pray to God, and sometimes when in throughout my life, when I was in stress before I was a, a real Christian, mm-hmm. I was in stress. I did pray to God, and I thank God for things that had happened right. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I, I think in my life, I, for some reason, as a little child, a kid, and all the stuff went on, I never really blamed God. Okay. I, I don't know why a lot of people tell you that much happened to you. Blame God. Why did you do this to me? Sure. And I just didn't. I just yeah, it, it happened and. I think a lot of it was I had responsibility at a young age, and I, I had seven others I had. Right, and you understood responsibility. You understand yes. that it falls on you if mm-hmm. something goes wrong, and you know, and, and so you, I, I'm guessing you were. It was easy for you to blame, uh, put the blame on the people that deserved the blame, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. your mom, your your dad to a degree, or whatever. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. That it's makes a lot of head work for a little kid. I, <laughs> well, know. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, kids who grow up in dysfunctional homes and abusive homes uh, mature really fast really really fast yeah you know survival yeah and look you know I got uh, I, I, you have kids right yes I yeah. just have one you have one so you I don't know if you went through this whole thing yourself while you were raising your child but you know there I look at my kids and I say how can I get them to the maturity that I had without all the pain 
you know, uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, You're right. yeah, because my, my, uh, my past is what helped me grow up at 15, 16 years old, right. uh, before I was even supposed to grow up, you know? Yeah. Um, and now I have two, uh, you know, this September I'll have two teenagers in the home, you know? <laughs> and that's, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you and I have different definitions of the word fun, uh, <laughs> but, yeah. but you know, like, so how do we... Yeah, you know, how do we raise our kids up in this way uh, so that they get that maturity, you know, and, and, and without, you know, the suffering, you know, that, that's a hard question to, to, yeah, to look at. Yeah, and it's at. what all parents face, our reasonable parents face is, I don't want my kids to suffer. I want them to learn. Right. One of the things I had as a child, I might throw in real quick, just because it's what actually, I, the way I felt when we talk feelings. When I was that little kid and told I was in charge of all the other ones, I thought, no. I want to be a little kid. Yeah. I'm a little kid. I'm eight. I want to be a little kid. Wow. And it's like, no, you need to, and you need to watch for the others. And it's like, no, no, I want to be a little kid. Wow. Somebody watch me. What 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 a mature thought. Yeah. What a sad thought for an eight year old. Yeah, it, it's yeah. I mean, if you look back on that, you know, Tom, you're just doing what you had to do. Yeah. You know, and that's what you do sometimes. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's reality. When reality hits, you yeah. you gotta you gotta take control. You know. And, right. Wow. Okay. So, um, anything else from your childhood that kind of stuck out to you, uh, you that that defined your faith later on? Um, I think I would work up to the faith. What what it did define as I got older, my my need for Christ in my life mm-hmm. because things that happened from the little kid to the high school kid to the soldier over in a foreign battle and yeah. all of that was just a uh, a, 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 a meanness. Yeah, I was mean. Yeah, I was mean. I, nobody was allowed to touch me. Nobody, you know, I, I had two little brothers that knew they could mouth off to anybody and come to me, and I would have to do something. <laughs> so I wasn't in the military. You know, having been in the military, you know, yeah. I had to do follow orders and all that. So that whole year, and I can remember, and uh, and I'm not bragging about South Vietnam, but when I was in South Vietnam, I can remember being in firefights and coming back to the barracks that night, and sitting out in the back of the barracks. And thanking God that I was alive hmm. and I hadn't been killed. So my belief in God was always there. My grandparents didn't sit us to a church when we were little kids. They did. Yes. Okay. They didn't go. Yeah. They well, sent hey. us. You know, they sent us. So that just built me up. And to, uh, if you want me to get into my faith part of it, I no, we'll, 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 we'll get okay. there. I want to. But I'm that's gonna... what it was. You had a mean. I'm the kid that the counselor called in and said, "You have a chip on your shoulder," and I said, "You bet." Yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Did. No, I mean, look, I mean that that especially in the military, you know, that just brings out that meanness a little bit more than. I was a military policeman. No, oh, yeah. I got fights all the time. It was silly. Yeah, people did in, in, in Vietnam, and but uh, yeah, so I wasn't. I, I was, I was a. I was not a mean kid, but I didn't let people. I, I always felt inferior. You built walls up. Yeah, you, you built walls up. You didn't want people to come in because those who were close to you kind of. Yep. Yeah, skedaddled, yeah. you know? Yep. Look, I get that. <laughs> you know, I, Yeah, you know, yeah, being a young kid like that, even in high school, think about this. I don't know. I don't want to get off the subject, but you can cut it out if you need to. But you're dating in high school. Yeah. Do you take a girl to your home and tell her she has to go to the facilities? It's that building out back. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, no. Hey, listen, on the bus I know you have to go to the bathroom. It's out the door. Take a left. Yeah, you know, <laughs> kids, you ride to school, but by, they come by and they know that and everything, so. Yeah. It, it was it was tough. Uh, yeah, I bet. It was tough. So you, you you had a very tough upbringing, you know, yeah. um, and, and you went to church growing up. 
What was that like for you going going to church? It was great because they, I learned the principles. They always, uh, the Bible stories, mm-hmm. I I heard. And yes, I you know in school in, in in church I did hear about Jesus. Yeah. But I didn't make that personal commitment. Right. And we went to a little church that was uh, half of it was under the ground. It was a little church by the side of the road over by the main the airport the big airport. And then half of it was you went down to the basement. That was the church. So I did the the Bible stories. Samson, uh, Daniel, all of those stories I had as a kid. So yeah. I did have a basis that was waiting for me to do something. <laughs> that, that was the bad part. Yeah. Waiting on me to do something. I mean, and that just speaks to so many parents out there who bring their kids to church and who don't think their kids are picking up on anything. If they're coming to church and it's a decent church, because <clears throat> not every church you know does as well, but uh, if, they, if they go to church and they're learning biblical stories, mm-hmm. that's going to be with them the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's true. That was true in your case, right? right. So, so you went from you went from the the the, the bad upbringing you know, to great grandparents, uh, right. wonderful great parent, great yeah. grandparents, not uh, genealogically great. Uh, and then you went off to uh, the army, right? Right. What was that? What was that experience like for you in the army? At times, it was very exciting. It's something I look back on, and I really uh, got a life. A lot of life lessons. For the first thing, one thing that happens like most guys in the military, all of a sudden I was thrown into a group of different people from all over the country. Uh-huh, yep. And, you know, I was with the guys on the west side of Indianapolis, and that's who I knew. I didn't know anybody from kids from California and Florida and, yep. and uh, Maine and all this stuff. One of my best friends was a school teacher or a swim coach from uh, Boston, Massachusetts. And we were like brothers in Vietnam. We patrolled on a little boat together. Mm-hmm. So I got thrown in with a lot of people. And so you see, you know, I was called many times. Because you played euchre and because of your accent, we know you're from the Midwest. Well, I didn't think I had an accent. <laughs> My cousins did down in Georgia. Yeah. But I didn't. <laughs> that's funny. So that's what I think that was a learning experience to get along and, and meet other people and yeah. be dependent upon other people. And also uh, on the racist side, of it, not racist, but on the racial side of it, I had went to, I'd never been around uh Afro-Americans, yeah, people of color. I had not been around them. I, I lived on where nobody lived there. So that was a, and some of my best friends yeah. overseas. I mean, we watched each other and I mean. Well, I mean, that's the great thing about the military. I yeah, mean, you blend together because yeah. you have to for survival. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, there's a bond there that never gets broken, you know. And you can walk up to anybody and say, hey, I was in the military. And if they're in the military, instant. It opens the door. Instant bond. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's another thing I've used later on my Christian thing. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Different. Well, and, and a lot of what, well, you talked before Christ, a lot of what happened is when I came out of the military, I had been used to in the military drinking and drinking beer. Yeah. And uh, sometimes a little whiskey, but mostly beer. Well, I came back and I still continued to drink beer. And I, I really had a little chip on my shoulder still that, well, my country owed me something and drank a few beers. And that's where I got into problems with that. And, that, if you want that, I'll lead us right into my conversion. Go right for it, man. Well, I, uh, <clears throat> me and Kathy was both young, very young, and I drank a lot, but I went to work every day. And I that was my justification. I went to work every day, so as long yeah. as I was working, I could go. And So then I got a DUI. Uh, Hendricks County Police, of all things. Got a DUI. Spent a night in jail. Didn't learn my lesson. Hmm. Less than less than three years later, I was headed down 465 in a new truck, and 
19, uh, October 13, 1978, down a truck on the interstate, speeding, of course, drunk, and the red lights went on, state trooper, mm-hmm. and I proceeded to be arrested for a DUI by two of the first female state troopers. Oh. Rode in the back of their car with laundry. They were going to the laundromat <laughs> and ended up in Marion County Jail. <sighs> Called my wife, and the first thing she said in the conversation was, I don't think I'm going to come get you till Monday morning. And I, I literally begged her and told her I was done. Yeah. And I told her what had happened on the interstate. And I have witnessed to uh, young kids and olders. Larry, when I was going down the interstate speeding and the lights came on, guess what? All of a sudden, those little lessons from the church by the side of the road and all this stuff through my life, it hit me. I was going to lose my wife, my family, my job, mm. everything. And right then and there, I've told to witness to young kids before, I said, right then and there, I became a red light Christian. When the red lights went on, I said, God, Jesus. Take my life. I am no longer in charge of it. You are in charge of it. I accept you, and I will do. I was even up to whatever the fate was going to be for this second DUI. I was like, okay, Jesus, you're in charge. I'm done. Wow. I, I, I tell people I had, a, I had a company called Roscoe Egan, and it failed. It went bankrupt. And if I did not accept Christ and turn my life over, I was going to be destroyed. Mm. <clears throat> and that's pretty much how I, that's how I got started. Wow. Wow, and it all just kind of comes together from childhood on up, and yeah, it was time to do something good, and yeah. it was time to accept Christ, not to acknowledge God. A lot of people acknowledge God, but it was accept Christ and, and know that He was. A, so that was it. And so now, forty some years later, seventy, eighty, ninety, yeah, about forty years later, yeah, I just it doesn't interest me. People used to say to Kathy, "Well." We're having a cookout, but people will be drinking beer, and it doesn't matter. He goes by bars all the time, and he don't do it. He's just not going to do it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, because it was, it was, I changed, and I've been very fortunate what God has done in my life since. That, that's great. Let's, let's talk about the very beginning parts of your Christianity. All right, you're, you're, you're sitting in, you're in jail, and yep. and uh, you, did you did Kathy come get you that night? Did she stay keep you there to Monday? Nope. She came and got me about an hour and a half later. Okay. <laughs> okay. And that was, yes, I was very glad. I so, so that first, so that first conversation you had with Kathy, do you remember that conversation? A little bit of it. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, I mean, did she believe you? I mean, was she? What was that like for you? I would say she came and got me an hour and a half later with a sister-in-law, who had known me, I'd known since she was twelve years old. The sister-in-law, and they both came up and got me, and I think she finally had believed me because Kathy was stronger in her faith than I was mm-hmm. at the time, and uh, and she and she still is she. She's a very Christian woman. I, I yeah. appreciate all she's ever done. But I think I convinced her that night, and it must have been my voice. <laughs> I was pleading. I just, <laughs> it was like, oh, don't make... I mean, you're talking Mary County Jail. Yeah. And I'm thinking... But even at that... And it's weird how you think... You see God in your life. Even that night, I could see God reacting in my life. Because when I got to Mary County Jail, the guy behind the desk that would have taken you and had you locked up... Yeah. I went to school with him. Oh, really? And he kept me out front. Oh. Kept me out front. I didn't go back into population or whatever yeah. you want to call it. I didn't go back there. I stayed out front until Kathy came, and then she got me. And then I went to court the next day, and the judge like took my license for six months. But some of the stuff, he just, he just threw away. And wow. So now, you know, that's 
we'll get to charge you with this and six months of license. And I had to ride with, I had good friends that stepped forward and said, hey, we work together. We'll come get you. They live in the same little out here in Liston. Yeah. And so I rode with them for six months. Oh, wow. So she did believe me. She yeah. did believe me. And, and I promised her I was done. And uh, so far, we've done it. <laughs> what was what was life like that first week, two weeks, three weeks um, of giving your life over to Christ? <clears throat> I have continually done it since then. I, and not braggingly, yeah. I look for opportunities. Mm. And I think one of the ones I had then that opened up, it was some little town west of, of Crawfordsville, and they had a, a church group that was starting new churches okay. and needed some people for a committee and all that stuff. So I'd drive out there and work on that. I had uh, opportunities come up to work with kids. Me and Kathy, have, uh, as a team, have worked with the two- and three-year-olds yeah. all the way up through adult Sunday schools. I just continually have looked for Christ to lead me. This here is a leading. This yeah. is not what I would say I want to do. Because I, I, yeah, if I, I could talk to fifty people yeah. very easily because I'm I'm outgoing. But to talk to one person and knowing there's other people who can see it, yeah. I, I'm just not that. Uh, I'm more a if there's a whole lot of people. Sure, no, I get that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you're you're doing fine. I think the podcast Thanks. is going well today. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it, you know, what was the? I, I'm looking at you know who you are now. Right. And and how you, and, and just how excited you are about Christ because that's I think that's obvious to me and I think it's obvious to those who know you yeah. uh, that you have an excitement about Jesus you know when I came and visited your home group and I heard about the things you guys were doing mm-hmm. already I was like yes this is <laughs> this is this is exactly what it, what Christianity should be has it always been like this for you or do you think you've matured into this kind of uh, relationship with God or or what. I think I've matured into it. I think yeah. the basis was set before the <clears throat> second DUI, and then it was taken off. I've yeah. been very fortunate. I've, Like I said, I've worked with kids. Mm. You know, Larry, I think with a background like mine, and I know some of your background, yeah. I am one of those people that believe do not give up on somebody. Mm-hmm. Keep praying. Yep. Don't give up on them. Yeah. Because from where I came to yeah. where I accepted Christ, yeah, I... You know, you can do it. I don't. I I get upset when people will give up on people, or they say, "Well, yeah, gosh, that person's not worth saving." Yes, they are. Yeah, because no. God still loves them. Let's, let's give right. them a chance. So yeah, it's changed my life for the better. And you know what it is? I got to where I liked me, mm. and I, then I liked almost automatically. I liked other people. There, there, there's a foundation. Got to do that. There's a foundational truth in the yeah. Bible that says. You know, the first commandment, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? But the second one is just as important. Love others as you love yourself, right? Right. right. Uh, and until we receive the love of God in our own lives, we can't dare pass it on to somebody else because we can't yeah. pass on what we don't have, Yeah. right? Uh, and, and yeah, it, it's self, self, self-care self and, and loving yourself. That's important to, you know, as long as it doesn't become prideful and, you know, and right. overbearing. You know, it, it, it's a it's a humility mixed with a passion for God and you know in understanding who you are as a result, right? right? I, I think I, I think you're dead on now. So you, you know, the oldest of eight, right? The oldest of eight. You came into Christianity. Were they Christian? How, are they Christian? How did you have an influence on them? Uh, most well, I think what happened, truthfully, most of them are Christians. And they go, every one of them are Christians. Uh, one youngest brother is not One youngest brother has uh, spent his entire life from 15 on in prison. Okay. And, and then another one, a little different. But 
Uh, my sisters and my one brother, my brother is a devout Catholic and has been forever since the Marine Corps. He, they, that's the thing with our family. I went in, come back to Vietnam. My brother, two years younger, went over as a Marine. He came back, the one four years younger, he went. So oh, for wow. three straight years, there was one from Vietnam. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, Ralph is a devout Christian. He's the one two years younger <clears throat> than me. Okay. And uh, all of us are... Uh, the one four years younger got knee problems and me and the other brother, we've got some aging orange. <laughs> so it's just, it's what happens with our generation. Oh, sure. They don't like it. But, yeah. But uh, I think my sister's kind of on their own. I think from their childhood with my grandparents. Because mm-hmm. I, I was off and gone. And, and yeah. I think, and they, they went to church and they went to church. And I think they, their base is not so much watching me. I think they've admired that I've made it forever. Yeah. But a problem I had even as a, when I, Became a uh, before I was a Christian. What I had to watch for was I wasn't daddy. Yeah, and I had to separate myself. So mm. I can't honestly say they were influenced by me, but they know what we do and my standards and what I've done. And yeah, stuff. yeah. Well, you know, one one of the things that that you know, kids and adults now uh, in that you grew up in that dysfunction, uh, try their hardest to do yeah. is break the cycle. You know, mm-hmm. not be their parents. You know, and for a lot of people, it doesn't happen. You know, uh, but for people like you and you, you and me, it has happened. We're has we're, happened. we're we're breaking the cycle. Your siblings are breaking yeah. the cycle. The cycle, um, and obviously that's because of Christ, mm-hmm. right? That's exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, we think about who you are now because of Christ. You know, uh, the the opposite question has to be asked: Who who do you think you would be? If you didn't have Christ, I would. If I hadn't accepted Christ when I'd done, I had full visions and with my uh, lifestyle of, of having numbers across here. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. <laughs> what it would have been. I think I would have been. I think I always continue to thank my wife for the seven years that uh, I was in trouble, mm-hmm. and uh, she's often told me. Said, I said, you know, I'm so I've tried the rest of my life to pay you back. She said, I said, am I? I mean, one time kid around and said, have I? Paid you back long enough? She goes, no. <laughs> you, you just keep right on doing what, you, what you're doing. Okay. Good answer, Kathy. <laughs> but, you, but, but yeah, without Christ, I would have probably ended up sooner or later because I had a bad temper. Yeah. You know, I uh, I mean, guys tell you the story, and I'll, it's, it's past before except Christ. Tell you the story of the guy, you're in a bar and a guy stands up, I can whip anybody in the bar. That wasn't me. Yeah. You knew who I was? I was a guy sitting there and saying, I don't think he can whip me, <laughs> which was stupid. It, yeah. wasn't, it was stupid. He yeah. was nuts. And I, but that went away to where I enjoy, I think, with backgrounds, I am envious of somebody who grew up in a Christian home <sighs> me too. and just went right on. It's so, but there's a place in God's plan for every one of us. Right. You, with your background, me with my background, there are people that we can witness to yeah. that the lucky soul that has been through church his entire life mm-hmm. and is just a great Christian may not be able to, to, to talk to that person. And that's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah. I mean, we're doing this podcast because it doesn't matter if, what background you come from, whether you're churched or unchurched or de-churched. Yeah. You know, as long as you're in Christ, you have a testimony and you have a story to tell. You know, I, I, I've told you this off the air, uh, but it, it, it pays to be told now. This all brings me back to this person that I went to college with Mm-hmm. Uh, that that told me I wish I had your testimony because she grew up in the church, yeah. You know, and she looks at me and she heard all the things that I grow that I went through growing up, and she goes, "I wish I had your testimony." And I look at her, and I'm just like, 
Are you insane? No, you don't want my testimony. You don't want, yeah. you don't want that pain and suffering. You know, like, and that's when I was able to tell her for the first time, I'm envious. Yes. I am jealous yes. of the fact that you grew up in a household where people loved you, cared for you, yeah. and and uh, and led you to Christ. Right. You know, I mean, that is something amazing. And now I look at my kids, and you were able to do this with your kid. You know, you, you raise your kid up, and he's like, this kid will not have the same experiences no. that I had. No. You know, I, I, yeah, I will do whatever I have to do. Yeah. That person will know. These children right. will know that their father loves them, cares for them, and we will provide them a Christ-like, Christ-like uh, house. And, 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 you know, I want my kids to say, man, I'm glad I don't have a testimony like my dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want anybody to have went through what I did. I didn't, I didn't like, wasn't fun to me was going through it. It wasn't fun to me. <laughs> no, no. It's like, well, this isn't fun. I mean, if you, I mean, virtually we would, act uh, to start a school, Yeah. I got a pair of shoes and two pair of pants and two shirts. And you could decide if you wanted uh, blue jeans or one pair of blue jeans, one pair of dress pants, and that was it till Christmas. Mm. I mean, my grandparents done everything they could do, but I mean, right. you know, you always had a inferior feel that, you know, here I can remember being in school and being taken out when I was little, so that the county could give me food or, or give me clothing right. and, and stuff like that, and the other kids see you leave and they know what you're doing, and uh, it just, you know, I just so I I have a special thing for kids. I just I just, uh, I just, I can't stand it. I love them. <laughs> and I've been fortunate enough with the years at Cornerstone, Kathy and I both have been fortunate enough, we have seen two and three-year-olds graduate college, start their life. Mm. One of them we had is an elder now. Really? Has been an elder. I don't know if he is right now. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're not going to give away, we're we're gonna gonna give away names. But <laughs> had them start families and everything. Yeah. And, and it's just like, it's not pride. It's just that warm feeling in you that, yeah, they, that something along the line and it's working. You see them succeeding, and it's like, wow. And well, you I see know God working. I know one name we can mention is Colin. You, you, you got our worship minister, Colin Moneymaker. You yeah. guys, you guys. Oh, he's uh, a little kid. <laughs> yeah, you guys known him since he was a tiny little tot. And, yeah, yeah, and so yeah, I mean, just to see, you know, I, I can only imagine looking at someone like Colin or, you know, any of the other kids in this church that grew up in here and see how great they're doing with the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a testimony to you guys, you know? Well, and you look at the, and what it is, I think as you get more mature, uh, and I hadn't brought this part up, but I'd, I'd had, uh, I said about the veterans and uh, Agent mm-hmm. I had I had prostate cancer. Okay. And uh, my wife and both of us, we said, it was all God. I went for a, a checkup I hadn't even thought about taking. I just thought, well, I'm going to get one in case something ever happens down the road as I'm getting older. And they said, well, you got this. And a month later, they had the operation. A month later, I was back on a golf course. And I'm convinced, and Kathy is convinced, that just wasn't a coincidence. No. That was God's hand. Yes. That was God's hand. Yeah. So the what I when you hear you got the big C, yeah. I heard on the phone, it, it, it's mind-boggling. But I almost automatically said, Christ, you're in charge. God, you're in charge. And if you get me through this, I promise I will look for opportunities to mention you, to say, speak to you, to spread the gospel. I will look for, I will be watching for the door to open for an angle to go in. So that's been very, very lucky that I've had opportunities several times to... uh, Share the share the gospel. Just walking out, like I said, with another veteran, you can share the gospel with another veteran because you've got that bond, right. brotherhood, 
And so I've done that a, a lot because God's given me opportunities. No, I love it, man. I love it. You know, we're fortunate. Yeah. And I just, looking back over the years, it's like most of those stuff I had, the old times I had to really think about. Yeah, I mean, you become such a different person. It, it almost seems like a second life ago, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, the, the things that the things that we've gone through is like that's that's just the past now, you know. Now, when, when I was I don't know if you did, when I was in my twenties, I focused on a lot of my past. I was I was still wrestling through oh, all of that. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, it was it was hard not to. Yeah. But you know, now that I have a family and you know, and, and I'm in my thirties now, and it, it's it's completely different and. You know, that seems like that doesn't even seem like that was me anymore. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the beauty of Christ. That is the beauty of Christ. Yeah. Yeah, he makes it completely new. You know, like it's it's completely separate. And yeah, my family still has issues, and I still deal with those issues. And you know, we still put the fun back in dysfunctional. You know, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it's. And just, I, I, I even to this day sometimes when I run into it was interesting as I got older, I got more wisdom with through Christ, and I have been around people that I went to school with when I was young. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. class reunions and stuff. Yeah, and and it hit me why some of them were so different. Yeah, and I'm talking different. Good, they were Christians. Yeah, I didn't understand at the time. Right. I wasn't. And years later, I was like, well, that's why this person was so nice. Yeah, that's why this person was yeah. so nice. Yeah. Uh, on another note, you can cut this out, but my, uh, like, I finally came at peace with my mother and my father. Mm-hmm. And my father, I was like, I didn't understand because I felt at the time I was like deserted by both, and I felt. Well, I don't know. He went through a horrible World War II. Mm. A lot of his neighbor buddies killed right in front of him on a ship, on a destroyer, and a whole nine yards. Yeah. And a lot of, anyway, uh, but I, I felt like, well, I don't know if that's, that's God's call. Was he at the point in this drinking with his, and, and at the jail, was he at the point of just being absolutely crazy out of his mind? Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't kind of come to realization you know maybe God looked at that and said this is not the real him yeah and I don't know that's I, you know, it, I'll find it, out maybe yeah I, I mean will find out mental illness yeah and salvation mm-hmm. is a very big topic yeah it's hard to, you can't yeah yeah and this is where we always come to look that's that's in the hands of God I mean it always yeah. had always has been always will be and thank God it's in his hands because we yeah. wouldn't do it right um you know uh, and, and so we we just pray like look God is it's you yeah. know I'm glad you're the one doing this. Thank you for doing this, I'm and I hope to see him there. But if not, and that's yeah. my mother. I even came at peace with her. I didn't. Yeah, uh, she's deceased since then. And I, uh, one of the odd things. I mean, you don't. That's somebody that doesn't want the testimony. That wants yeah. the testimony you and I have. Yeah. Well, I come out of the service, and Kathy and I are up by Lafayette Square at one of the fast food restaurants to eat with my daughter. We go up and order food. Kathy's with me and order my food. We go and sit down. And I say to Kathy, I said, did you see that lady standing beside me? She goes, yeah, I saw it. Who is it? I said, that's my mother. She said, it's your mother? And you didn't say nothing? I said, yeah, I was a little kid when she left me. She don't recognize me, but she was an adult when she left. So I recognized her. Oh and my. she was like, you're kidding. I said, what? I said, no, I just, and I wasn't mean. But yeah. I just, I finally, it took years to get over that. And uh, I, I, I kind of... Once you become a Christian, and, and the more I lived, it's like, well, she was young and she had eight kids. Yeah. And wow. I don't know. And wow. she was also another thing to discourage yeah. her. She couldn't read or write very well. Mm. Basically illiterate. I thought, well, it was just too much for her. And yeah. She thought 
grandparents give us the best chance. So yeah, well, sometimes the best act of love <laughs> is to give something up, right? I mean, right, right. Yeah. Um, so so let's sum your story up. Okay. All right. Um, this has been interesting. I, I I love talking about this. Well, stuff. I hope I don't bore everybody or think I, I'm bragging. I'm not bragging. No, <laughs> it's, no. It's, I, it's I don't. I don't. I don't think anyone gets that from you. Good. I mean, because because you have this. You have this. Uh, this man who who grew up in an abusive household. Um, and then, you know, then did the best he could with what he had with his grandparents who, who took, who did the best they could with you guys. Um, you know, gave you a foundation that led you all the way through the army and at your lowest moment, at your lowest moment, Christ comes and, and, and saves the day and changes you from the inside out. And that was a rocket ship. Uh, yeah. to uh, to who you are today right you know uh, exactly yeah what a great story man and I, and I appreciate you uh, you sharing that with us today well, it's no problem Larry I, it's like I told you to even start out it's like this is not what I thought about doing but yeah. you know what I can't go against what I said God opened a gate for me if you open a door I'm going to do it because you've stepped in and yep and you've saved my life and and in more ways than one, in this cancer, when it hit, I told you, you open a door, I'm going to try it. Yep. And well, comfortable or not, I'm going to do it because it, it's what you want now. Yeah. And that's when life is the funnest. <laughs> yeah, it, is. it is. At least sometimes. at least it's interesting. It is sometimes. It makes it really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I'm glad, I'm glad you went through that door and, and our podcast audience get, got to hear everything you're going through. Um, so we're going to, we're going to wrap it up. I want to, want to thank, uh, again, Roscoe for, for joining us today and want to thank all of you for listening. This, uh, this is, uh, the end of our coffee and conversation podcast, but the conversation doesn't have to end here. We have services at Cornerstone Christian Church in Brownsburg, Indiana, every Sunday morning at, uh, nine and 10 30. Uh, we do have special Easter services. I think this thing will drop before Easter. If not, uh, pay no attention to the whole Easter services thing. But go to our Facebook page, CCC Brownsburg, uh, to learn about what's going on currently at the church. Uh, so that's it. We will see you all next week. Thanks so much.